You're listening to Humanize Me with Bart Campolo. Hey everybody, this is a bonus episode. That's how I'm thinking of it. Because, and I, and I say that because I remember when I used to live in Philadelphia, I had a commute at one point and I would listen to the Howard Stern show. It was a guilty pleasure at that point because, you know, I was a Christian and we weren't supposed to be listening to Howard Stern. But I, in between outrageous stuff that I didn't like, I found that guy to be such a good interviewer and such an authentic voice that uh, I learned a lot from Howard Stern. But I remember when he made a, they made a movie about his life. I think it was called Private Parts. And it was actually a pretty good movie, which was surprising. But when they were making that movie and then when it came out, like it was all he talked about. I remember being like, I know you made a movie, dude. I'm sick of hearing about it. And so in my own small way, I worry that I'm talking too much about this movie John Wright made about my dad and me called Leaving My Father's Faith. But the truth of the matter is, I've seen it three times now with three different groups of people. And I think it's a really good contribution to the conversation, not just about God stuff, but I think it's a movie about coming out and about staying connected with people that are really different from us. And I, so anyway, at the risk of over-talking this movie, this, this, this bonus episode is a conversation between me and John Wright and my dad about the movie, which is finally available for streaming at campolofilm.com. I mean, I'm so glad this thing is finally out. Once you buy it for $14.99 there, you can stream it from that site wherever and as many times as you like on all your devices, through Roku or Apple TV, whatever. Or in a few days, it'll also be available on Amazon Prime Video, Vudu, and a bunch of other platforms. All You can find it all about that at campolofilm.com. The movie's on Amazon. This is a conversation with John and me and my dad talking about watching that movie with a bunch of people. And I hope you like it. Hello? Hey! There he is. Hey, Dad. Well, we're all together. We're all together. We're, we're all together okay. now. You know, I wanted to talk with you guys because we all shared this moment together at the premiere. And it's such a funny word. Like people are always like, they're just impressed that we were at a premiere. Have you gotten that, Dad? <laughs> I got that, yes. People are like, how was the premiere? Like they imagined red carpets and, and blinking lights and evening gowns. <laughs> well, it was pretty impressive to tell the truth. There we were in a, a theater, a big theater. Multiplex. Yeah, the multiplex. <laughs> yeah, so there we were. And uh, pretty good turnout and people interested in what we had to say that was that was pretty good and when uh, the film which depicted the two of us going at each other in the loving manner and i want to emphasize that everybody commented on what a loving manner we had with each other uh, they uh, gave us a rousing uh, ovation uh, so that's uh, that's a good thing it is a good thing have you heard from many people since the screening well, I've run into people who have talked to me about it, yes, because I'm here at Eastern's campus and several Eastern University campus where I teach. And several people from Eastern came over because it was convenient. Uh, and uh, consequently, when I run into them, 
they comment on the reactions to it. Uh, one person who uh, really was moved by it all uh, was uh, the very famous writer, Ron Sider, uh, who was famous for writing that book, Rich Christians in an Age of Hunger, and talked about the fact that um, people in his own family have drifted away from Jesus, as you have, and uh, he felt himself emotionally, existentially involved as the story unfolded, uh, telling the way the two of us uh, have felt close to each other on the one hand, though estranged in theologies and belief systems. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I've heard from lots of people who were there. People have sent me notes, Mm -hmm. and there were... There were, you know, I mean, that crowd was a lot of them were Christian folks, but there were also a lot of, you know, like there were a bunch of people who came down from the Lehigh Valley kind of humanist club or atheist club. I don't know what the official name is. There were people from this podcast, like my my crowd that showed up. And what's interesting to me is I get these letters from hyper secular people who say, gee, that movie really touched and inspired me. Like I just could really... You know, it was just so great to sort of see a model of people connecting across the differences. And then I get letters from hyper-Christian people saying, gee, that was really inspiring to me. I felt like it was just so great to see people relating across that divide. Like, it felt like it hit everybody the same way. What I found is um, those who were secular in their orientation uh, came away affirmed. And those that were Christian in their orientation came away infirmed. I think the film had the ability to provide uh, support systems for both sides of the uh, of the divide. That's weird. I cuz I thought it in in my way it it worked the it worked just the reverse. Like, you know, the people that were secular weren't like, "Gee, I hope Bart says something that enables me to stay secular." Like, they weren't impressed by what I said about secularity. They they already knew that stuff. What they were excited about was they were like, oh, so that's how that Christian guy thinks. Like, he he's articulating. My mother never says that out loud, but Tony Campolo's saying it. They were relating to you. And I felt like some of the Christian people I talked to said, it was, you know, like, I can't get in that kind of conversation with my, my son or daughter, but it was really great to overhear you. And, and like, I, I wonder if they're thinking the way you are. This gives me something I can talk to them about. John, you made the movie. Like, what did you hear from people? Oh, I just heard so much good feedback about your guys' relationship. And um, I mean, I suppose about a lot of things, but that was one of the things that kept coming back. And I guess a question I would have for you guys is, is watching it, did you feel like uh, the film captured the essence of, of the way you guys relate to each other? I mean, it's not just a serious and somber movie. It's a very playful and funny movie, too. You know, audiences really laugh in this film. And one of the things about it that I don't think people expect it to be as humorous and heartfelt as it is. So I don't know if you feel like it captured, you know, sort of the essence of of your relationship well or not. My sense is that uh, when all the arguments were articulated, uh, what was communicated from so far as the people I talked to uh, seemed to pick up, was that there was a great deal of emotion, a great deal of feeling on both sides. Uh, They felt that uh, uh, Bart was uh, pouring out his heart. This wasn't just 
and academicians sitting up there and in a snotty manner cutting up the Christian faith, but talking about the uh, inner personal struggles that he had as he fought his way uh, out of a box that he felt trapped in for so many years and came to uh, a sense of, of freedom and the the emotion that uh, one experiences going through that kind of transition was amply explained. And I got the same thing from my other side. The people who were related to me said, you know, uh, there was just such a sense of earnestness and urgency in the way in which you spoke. And the uh, there was a sense that uh, there was a sincerity in you as well as in your son. And sincerity is a hard thing to find in this day and age. And they felt that both Bart and I were very sincere. He in his disbelief, me in my belief. Yeah, it's a very um, real film, I think. And I guess people respond to the authenticity, Bart. Yeah, and you know, I, I do. Like, if somebody said to me, like, you know, my son watched the movie. He watched, uh, you know, like uh, he got a recording, a, a screener of it. And he said, gosh, I'm going to hold on to this and I'll be able to show it to my kids someday and say, that was my dad and my grandfather. Mm. And that's the way they really talk to each other. You know, he, as far as he was concerned, it was a slice of life. Yeah. Well, I, th and, I think that answers the question then, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I felt the same way. Like I didn't, you know, like if somebody said to me, yeah, but that's not really how you talk to your dad, you know? Like there were cameras and, you know, you, you know, and you, if you're Tony or Bart Campolo, you act a little bit differently when there's a camera on you. Mm. And I was like, yeah, but, you know, we shot that film for like 13 hours <laughs> and John only pulled out an hour's worth of dialogue. I felt like you got the parts of the dialogue where the cameras weren't such a big deal. Like I felt, and I don't know if you were trying to do that, if you were like, when they're showboating or when they're performing, I'm not going to put that on, on screen. Well, I certainly think there's a, there's a draw to the more authentic material. You know, I gave an interview recently where uh, the interviewer said, Bart and Tony are, are, are polished speakers and they're used to public presentation. And so the guy was wondering how much of the conversation that we captured for the film was performance. You know, and how much of it was, quote unquote, real, how much of it was an authentic uh, representation of how these conversations would go between you two. I had my own answer to that. I, I said I thought that, you know, although the cameras are there, I think, well, first of all, the way we shot it, too, for people who don't know, we it was just the three of us in that yeah, room. Yeah, there was no audience. Uh, the entire time. It was just it was just you, me and Tony and and. Uh, um, I think it was better that way. We didn't have a whole crew hanging around and, you know, that kind of audience uh, expectation. And I tried to kind of just blend into the background to be as, as unobtrusive as possible. I think, I think there's a, a false uh, concept that because people know where they're going in a presentation, because they have a sense of the direction their conversation is headed, because in a sense they have rehearsed what they are going to say, that what is said is artificial. The reality is uh, that I'm a preacher, and Bart is still a preacher in spite of the fact that he's a secularist now. And we do, in fact, think through things uh, well in advance, 
And uh, that doesn't in any way distract from the emotion of the moment. Um, when uh, I get up to speak, I know what I'm going to say, but I'm, I know that sometimes, quote-unquote, the Spirit is with me. There's an energy within me that uh, communicates well. And there are other times when I say the same words and the thing falls dead. The reality is that I felt alive when I was talking in that, uh, in that film. Yeah, you know, I always think of it like driving. Like when I first started driving, you know, you were just, you were so concentrating on your, my hands are at 10 o'clock and 2 o'clock and let me check my mirrors every three seconds. And, you know, w- you know, wh- where is, where are the lights and where's the lane markers and am I in the right place on the road? You know, you, you drive for a while and after a while you're no longer thinking about the process of driving. You're, you're, you're thinking about where you're going. You're looking at the scenery ahead of you. You're, you're noticing what's around you. And I think a lot of times, you know, you, it takes a lot of practice to be really authentic. Like, because when you're talking just off the cuff, that's when I feel like I'm the most conscious of, you know, self, I'm the most self-conscious. But when I'm talking about things that I've talked about before or, or I'm talking with somebody who already knows where I'm going. In that movie, there are a couple of places where my father finishes my sentence because he knows, like, he's like, oh, I've heard you say this before or, oh, you're quoting that. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean there. And I feel like that that's where, because we're used to talking to each other, it was kind of, it was much easier to get into an authentic moment. Well, and of course, you can always get, have something more polished and you can always have something more articulate and you can always make your point over and over again in a better way. But I think that can sometimes come at the expense of those authentic moments. And so, you know, I'm sure you guys watching it, you were you were like, hey, I could make that point a million times better now. You know, if you asked me now, I would be better prepared. But in that moment, we captured something special, I think. Well, the other side you know, it's funny, story, my... go ahead, No, I was just going to say, Dad, my friend Rocky Walker was there, who I grew up with and you've known since he was a little boy. And he said, you know, I wasn't really that excited about coming to this movie because he said, I've heard everything you and your dad have to say. And I was like, wow, to watch them talk to each other for an hour and a half sounds really boring. And he was shocked at how entertaining the whole thing was. He was like with the move, with the music and the different scenes and the way it was cut and the, the old footage from the past. He was like, it was pretty, it was really fun to watch. And, and I was surprised by that too. I, I thought I would be bored. I was like, I was in that conversation. Like there's nothing new here for me. But John, I felt like the way you chopped it up and put it back together, it, it, you know, it had a different energy. Like, and so that was the thing I was surprised by was, that I could, that I watched it, and I, I, I sort of was like, I wonder what happens next. This yeah. I would add, uh, as I was speaking, and I felt the same about Bart. Uh, who was the audience? I did not imagine an audience of people viewing the film. The audience of everything I had to say was Bart, and I had the feeling that the audience that Bart had was me. He was speaking to me, I was speaking to him, and the audience was listening in. But we weren't really directing at the audience. We were trying to convince each other. We were trying to explain ourselves to each other, uh, rather than uh, trying to win the audience over to our sides. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I've, I've, I've done those public forums 
where two people are on a stage and they're not talking, you know, I'm not talking to the other person. I'm talking to the audience. And, you know, and so, yeah, I think, John, that was a really interesting thing because I, I think that's right. And that for that reason, it wasn't really a debate because we already know where we stand. It was really just, can I please understand me? Oh, yeah. And I, I was very determined not to make it into a debate movie. This is the last thing I wanted to do was to create, you know, I mean, th- there were other cuts of this movie that that could have been right. I mean, you could have cut it in, in a lot of different ways and and you could have cut it as a debate movie. I was determined that it, it shouldn't be that it couldn't be that because this is a, a very human story. And uh, I think stories are at the heart of it. And there's a lot of. Uh, uh, I guess just uh, I, I think realness between you guys and I think I agree with you what you said Tony about that you were really just speaking to each other being in that room uh, it's clear that you care about each other but it, it's clear also that to me that you care what each other think like you don't want to be perceived Bart by your father as anything other than someone who really thought this stuff through really wanted to you know you really wanted to to uh, explain yourself, and I think the same vice versa. I think neither of us were turned off by the other. Neither of us were saying uh, there's nothing valid on the other side. Uh, there's nothing of truth on the other side. I, I think that uh, each of us uh, were there kind of saying, I need to listen to this. Uh, this is something that I need to hear. There's there's truth here that I need to grapple with. I think that both of us felt that there was truth on the other side, in spite of the fact that we were rather entrenched in our own positions. Bart, do you... I was just thinking about how much... I mean, I made a joke after when we got up at the Q&A at the premiere, I made a joke about, you know, how much uh, you guys like the conversation, because it really is a conversation movie. And... um, What's funny is, you know, when I think back to that week of filming, the conversation didn't stop when we turned off the camera. I mean, for anybody who knows you guys, you know, it, it really never stops. You know, we're in the car. We're continuing to talk. We, we went to movies at night and, you know, talked about the movie. So you guys relish the the ongoing conversation and what you can get out of sort of not only an intellectual exchange but you know again there's a lot of humor there's a lot of like playfulness it's a very and i think that's why it's fun to watch i think that's why audiences relate to it uh, ultimately you know it's funny I, I get a lot of emails these days from christian people sort of commenting on something that they heard me say or i guess i've been on a number of christian podcasts lately or I don't know. I, I, the, the other day, I, I got somebody who had read my dad and my book, and he was asking me to to endorse a book this guy was writing about following Jesus. And he was like, "I want you to read the book and endorse it as a secularist." And it was just like, "Really?" <laughs> and I, and I and in the end, I said, "Yeah, I don't know if my endorsement would help, but I'm always game to demonstrate my conviction that we humanists should lovingly cheer on the best expressions of Christianity." And I felt like, I feel like my dad sort of would go like, you know what? He, I think he's sort of sending a message to Christians that they should lovingly cheer on the best expressions of humanism. Um, that in a, Because good. the worst expressions of humanism are horrific. And the worst expressions of Christianity are devastatingly terrible. Mm. And so for me to go like, that's a Christian book. I don't care. Why would I want to help a, a, a Christian book? And they're like, I want to help the best Christian books defeat the worst Christian books. 
And I, I think you feel the same well, way about humanism, Dad, where you're like, there are better and worse expressions of secular worldviews, you know? Well, there are several things uh, that happened to me that uh, prepared me to do what we did on that uh, film. For 10 years, I taught at the University of Pennsylvania, a very secular Ivy League school. And I had these large classes. Bart used to come as a boy and sit in the classes of all these uh, University of Penn Ivy League kids. They, uh, oh, there'd be they like seven or eight hundred people in a classroom. Yeah, I mean, it was it was wonderful. It was a great experience for me. But let me tell you this: that what I learned over the years was that most of the uh, condemnations of secularism were very superficial. Uh, just as many of the condemnations of Christianity end up being superficial. But what I learned, for instance, and I wrote a book called A Reasonable Faith, which is kind of a reflection on my years at Penn. And the first thing that I dealt with was the question that um, Christians always raise about secularists who who, uh, have given up in believing in a God. And that is, these people have no values. Uh, these people have no concepts of right and wrong. Everything is relativistic. There are no absolutes. Here I was at the University of Pennsylvania, and it was in the late 60s, early 70s. The Vietnam War was in high gear. The Civil Rights Movement was in high gear. And I found, as I wandered among my Christian friends, a lot of unchristian values about war, a lot of unchristian values about uh, about racism and sexism. And when I talked to my secular students at Penn, they seemed to be embracing uh, Christian values about war, Christian values about racism, Christian values about sexism. And they did it without necessarily hanging their uh, faith commitments on my theology. In short, I found that there was a great deal of morality. The beginning of that book, The Reasonable Faith, was my uh, welcome surprise to find that I was more in agreement with my secular humanist students at Penn than I was with my fundamentalist Christian friends uh, in my home church. A big, big surprise to me. Uh, you know, uh, there was no question among my Penn students that war was wrong. And I would say, why is it wrong? And they would give me a reason, and it sounded good. So uh, in a real sense, they softened me up about secularism. And I did not see them as evil biggie boys. Yeah, you know, I hadn't thought of that, but... Grateful all those students <laughs> made it a lot easier for me because you know I you know I spend a lot of time talking to people whose families are being incredibly hard on them, and uh, and whose whole whole world gets blown up because their families just won't have anything to do do with them. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think you know that was the other thing, John. I don't know if you picked that up, but I I, I saw a lot of people. I, I actually caught people crying after the movie. Yeah, and. And and men, and when I talked to a couple of them, they said, "Yeah, they were just like mm-hmm. I did too." You know, the, 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 some of them were crying because they were thinking, "I have a relationship across that same boundary, but it doesn't work that well." Right. It right. Does, it's, it's it's not that it's not that easy. And, and John, I mean, what's funny is like when you made this movie, like your dad's a minister, right? He is. He's a Presbyterian minister. He's retired, but he still does a lot with the church. And and so you could relate to the whole thing. 
Yeah, I can. I, I can definitely relate to the to both sides. You know, it's interesting. I um, you know, I feel like it's very easy for me to when I hear when I hear you talk, Tony, um, to to be with you on a lot of what you're saying. And I think it's very easy the other way around, too. I, I in a way, you talk about being prepared to go into this making this film. I felt very prepared, too, by my life experiences to, to go in and make it, you know. And so it, it worked out well that way. I think there's a, a an empathy that comes from understanding either position. You know, uh, we live in a world where the attitudes that people have across differing points of view have become so painful. The reality is, they say now, when you go to a social gathering, don't bring up religion and don't bring up politics because it will end in painful arguments and disagreements. And yet, if you get rid of religion and you get rid of politics, there's an absence of depth in conversations because people are afraid uh, to bring up religion or to bring up politics for fear that it's going to end in acrimony because we have lost the capacity to listen to each other respectfully and to validate points of view that are different than our own uh, when validation is demanded and required. Yeah, yeah. You know, religion... You know, in some sense, politics is how we live together. Like, that's that's all we're really doing in politics is we're trying to figure out, like, how are we going to operate our society? Like, what are our values going to be? What? W- how are we going to manage traffic? How are we going to manage water? How are we going to manage military? And, and religion is like, why are, you know, like, what are we trying to manage those things in a direction of? What do we what do we care about? And so if you can't talk about religion and politics, you can't really talk about life together. And, and so mm-hmm. I, what I appreciated about the movie that you made is that you pulled out of our, my relationship with my dad kind of maybe one of the most important things to both of us, and that is that we can keep talking um, and, the, and, the, and the conversation stays rich not yeah. until you find a disagreement, but on the other side of that disagreement. Yeah, yeah. You know, the 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 pre-release title of the film was Far From the Tree, and it had to change for reasons kind of outside of my control. I really liked that title. Um, and, of course, it's a play on, you know, an apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I think one journalist writing about this, uh, about your quote-unquote deconversion, Bart, back in the day said, uh, in Bart's case, you know, the apple fell from the tree and then kept rolling away of its own accord. But um, for me, the title was a question, you know, how far apart are Bart and Tony really, uh, despite this seemingly huge chasm that's been introduced? And someone came up to me after the screening and reminded me that Bart isn't the only one in this conversation who's made bold moves when he's believed something strongly. You know, the, the act of making a bold move in your life, being authentic in public when you believe something. Um, Tony, you, you've done that for your whole career. And so th- that, that's something that you both have in common, probably not by accident. Well, I will tell you, John, we were driving over to the theater that night for the premiere. And I, I've been with my dad when he's confident. And I've been with my dad when he's a little bit worried. And he was like, I am nervous. I do not know what to expect here. I do not know how people respond to this. I don't know. Yeah. 
you know, and when we were all done, you know, we had shook in the last hand and, and, and hugged the last person, you know, so, you know, driving home, there was this, it was, part of it was just relief, but part of it was yeah. also just for me, real happiness. I was like, there's a movie my dad can be happy about and I can be happy about and my, my, my wife can be happy about and all our friends can be happy about. And there's a movie that honestly, John, I, you know, I didn't care very much who saw this movie until a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, but now I find myself thinking it's an incredibly timely piece that there are a lot of families out there that could that will be inspired by it. And so, you know, I'm, I'm excited that it's going to get released in a way that people can just watch it at home. But I sure hope when they watch it at home, they're watching it with somebody. Yeah, I like I like it for groups. I think it's really good in groups. And uh, and I think, you, you know, you guys can be proud to have been a part of it. You know, it's a uh, it you, you never know how it's going to go. Right. I mean, you know, you put a lot of effort into sort of capturing something and you hope by the end of it that that there's something relatable. And I think it's more than relatable. I think it's not only the the academic. I mean, I've watched a million sort of YouTube debates between uh, Christian apologists and uh, secular humanists and, and atheists and people like that. You know, there's a whole kind of market for debates. And um, this is nothing like that. And I, I couldn't be prouder of that. <laughs> Not that I don't like debates. I think they're, they're fun to watch. But this is uh, something special. Bart uh, pretty much dominated the first part of the film. Right. We were telling his story. Yeah. Yeah, and I pretty much dominated the last part of the film. Right. So that both points of view were spoken with honesty and sincerity and respect for those who differed. Yeah. The name of the book that we wrote was Why I Left, Why I Stayed. And the film in the first part said, here's why I left. Right. And in the second part of the film, it's here's why I stayed. And uh, both parts... Uh, made their points clearly. Yeah, I think so, and I think there there are also a couple of different uh, explanations in there, right? You know, you have Bart's very rational explanation, then you have sort of sociological explanations for the story and psycho possible psychological explanations for the story. So, you know, th there are multiple levels. People should people should go in with an open mind and and. Uh, see what they see and I think it's a great movie also for discussions we've been having screenings I don't know if you guys are aware of this but groups such as universities and and nonprofits and humanist groups and organizations and churches have been uh, opting to screen the film and have discussions afterwards and uh, some of those have come back to me uh, some really good feedback on those discussions and so that's all you can hope for really I mean to spark a good discussion and you know, hopefully people get something from it. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know about that first half, second half stuff. To me, it was just a story. I just felt like it, it played like a story. I was like, this is what happens. This is what happened to this family. This, some, somebody changed and somebody responded and this is how they worked it out. But, you know, Dad, what I guess I find myself wondering is, do you think a church would ever show this movie like on a Sunday night and say like, hey, this is something that, that, Christian folk ought to see? Or do you think like it's, it's, it's not something that's going to happen in churches? No, I, I think it would work in a church for a very simple reason. I think that uh, in your presentation, you said, I'm a thinking, rational person whose basis of truth is empirical reality. 
what I can see, what I can touch, what I can feel, what I can see. I'm a rational person, and I make my judgments on what is available to the five senses. So where the what the evidence is where the, you know I'm an I'm an evidence based yeah, exactly thinker. yeah that's right evidence that is empirical empirical evidence I made my case and I say it in the film I'm a mystic I have a spiritual experience the emphasis is what I feel what I've experienced when I'm reading scripture when I'm praying what I experience and so you have a one person who comes at reality with an empirical mind that is looking for empirical proof. I'm over here saying the heart has reasons which reason can never know. So I think what it does is it makes the case. If you're going to go on the basis of rational, empirical evidence, you're going to come out on one side. If you're open to a mystical experience, you're going to go the other way. But it's two different approaches to life, and I think the film carefully does that. And I think that uh, a church uh, should, in fact, uh, raise that issue. There is a spirituality. There is something that's transcendent. So it's all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Listen, nobody's going to watch the movie because you're you're t- putting it all out there. You're telling the whole story. Like you're, you've given away all the plot points. <laughs> Except for the big scene of violence right there at the end, that that huge cliffhanger <laughs> hanger with the machine guns. I, I don't know why anybody would watch this movie. Um, John, I think one of the things that makes the film work is that so many of the scenes have Bart and I walking peacefully in this uh, butolic setting. Uh, <laughs> you're, was, not, you're not getting uh, me, uh, Dad. Uh, it, the setting was a setting of peace, not a setting of two guys engaged in warfare. Yeah, and and even the way you guys were sitting, you know, there's a lot of body language there. You know, when you're in the car, you're going in the same direction. When you're sitting talking, you're not like opposite each other. You know, there's a lot of that, and and I think it, I, I think it's good. You know, it's funny, Bart. You mentioned you mentioned that, but I feel like every trailer to every movie that I watch gives away the entire thing. So I don't think we're doing anything unusual. <laughs> well, we shall see. Well, listen, this has been great. Okay, but it's good to it, talk you know, to you, Bart, even if it's on a radio interview. That's and right, John, man. thanks for all the hard work you put into this thing. Yeah, man, this was awesome. I'm I'm so glad to have been in it with you guys. All right, you guys, later on. Blessing. Thanks, Tony. Bye-bye now. So that's it. John Wright, me and my dad. Look, if you want to see the film, or better still, have a viewing party in your living room, because it's kind of a movie really to see with lots of people together and talk about afterwards, it is truly easy at campolafilm.com. Now, if you want to support this podcast, communicate with me, and especially if you're looking for some counseling or coaching around your own faith and family issues, the place to go is bartcampola.org. And if you just wanted a little nugget of truth from our hero, Robert Ingersoll, here it is. Kindness is the sunshine in which, in which virtue grows. Yeah, that's a nugget. Sit with that, and I'll see you next time on Humanize Me. For more information about the work of Bart Campolo, please visit bartcampolo.org.